What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. This Haberman of Middlecoff segment is brought to you by expressvpn.com slash ham and mybookie.ag, promo code ham1, and SeatGeek, promo code ham. Emmanuel Sanders was on radio in Denver on Thursday, 104.3 The Fan. Which I love that Emmanuel did that this week. Um, 103.7 The Elway. And, uh, yeah, it's probably with the, the Mike Kliss show. And uh, probably not, actually. But he was asked, maybe it was, I, don't, I don't really don't know. But he was asked. That's on, that's on Broncos.com. Oh, Cliss is Broncos? Like, oh, oh, yeah. No, yeah. it just feels like Cliss is a Broncos employee, but he works for like the local news. It's like Elway's like lone friend for like 30 years. It feels like he gets all the dirt. <laughs> Where it's like, sources say Vance Joseph was a real yeah. asshole. Like, I wonder who gave well, you that, Remember, Mike. wasn't it like uh, Mike Cliss report? Didn't he report something on Colin and the Broncos? I was like, wonder who he got yeah. that from. Yeah, it was like, Elway uh, gave the best presentation that's ever been given to a potential free agent. He offered him 10% less. Kaepernick said that he hate white people and that he refused to take the haircut and he stormed out of the room. You're like, is that really what happened, Mike Kliss? <laughs> John Elway, I mean, sources tell me. There were uh, a bottle and a half of a hard whiskey was consumed. so this is what emmanuel sanders said it's just this is a really interesting insight into kyle shanahan uh when i first showed up you know obviously vic he's kind of older vic is kind of like i said on the older side with his approach then when i got here right when i walk into the 49ers team meeting i hear this hip-hop song called hot it's probably one of the hottest songs out and i'm like what's going on everybody just kind of dancing and laughing and on their phone and i'm like what's going on then Kyle walks into the room, and he has on a pair of Yeezys, and I'm like, this is totally different. This is a different environment. And truthfully, I liked it because sometimes in the NFL, I don't like this aspect. I've been married going on 10 years. I got two kids of my own, and I feel like sometimes in the NFL, teams continuously treat guys like kids. That's one thing I've noticed here in San Francisco in the aspect of they treat everybody like grown men. If you care about wanting to win, if you care about wanting to be a great player, then we want those kind of guys here. The guys who are going to do it the right way, and we don't have to force them to do it. Feels like a less serious New England. 
Like Kyle's just like, do your job. I ain't going to fuck with you. You fuck up, we'll get on you. But just maybe New England's not really like that. It feels like everyone's just on you at all times. Maybe that's a bad comparison. I'm trying to maybe like a maybe like a Clemson approach, looser, but like with a little Pete Carroll, but a little more serious. I mm. would imagine. Is it safe to say that Emmanuel wasn't the biggest fan of Fangio's approach? But I would say that I, I think Vic just is just Vic. Uh, Vic right? is I Vic. Don't think he's- Emmanuel's one of the best players on a shitty team. He plays on offense for a defensive coach with a bad quarterback situation. They've been shitty for a couple of years. He's miserable. It sucks. Yeah. Um. You got you got kids. You're just like I, I just I, my my time in my career is ticking down. You know what I thought of just listening to you say, just trying to find a comparison. Like I go back to when we had George Kittle on the podcast, and the time we had George Kittle on the talk, podcast, and we sat down and talked with George Kittle, first team All Pro. Uh, yeah, you know, and he made the comment that was similar to who had made it in Atlanta, Austin Hooper or somebody, about Kyle basically giving you the answers to every test essentially right like what kyle tells you is going to happen is going to happen he's like i told him he was going to be there i was like is he really not going to be there and then i ran it and then the guy wasn't there and then i just fucking walked into the end zone it was crazy and it happens over and over and over so i think because kyle has that quality which if you ask me austin hooper's like sneaky underrated kind of nfl yeah he player. had a good year didn't maybe he? yeah he did um but basically if you're a player that believes in your coach that much he has the answers to the test i just have to show up and take the test my job is to just put forth an effort. My co- what my coach is telling me to do is going to be the right thing to do. That you don't, if you're a coach and you've established that with your players, that's got to be the best thing in the world because then it, you, you shouldn't have to yell at anybody if you have the right people in the room because the right people in the room realize, holy fuck, it's not always this easy where I just do what that Doesn't guy feel like half the league is the opposite. Like, or maybe more than half the league where the players are like, does this guy really know what he's well, doing? And I'm he's calling plays or sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. And it's like, even when they don't, I've kind of questioned like, is this really going to work? And then it doesn't work. Or even with Kyle, when something doesn't work, I just think they're like, well, that's just, they called the perfect defense or whatever. They're, it doesn't feel like there's ever been like, God, Kyle seems like he's swimming. Who do you think, the, who's the best offensive play caller that relates to players in the NFL? That just like has a good well, handle I mean, on the whole thing. I would say Andy's borderline. Beloved. I think Andy's number one on the list. You would know better. You know the guy, but I think he's number one. But I just think you just watch the way any former player talks about him. His teammate, his players talk about him. I think he's beloved. Yeah, I, I just but think. I, but also, to me, he's more beloved in the sense like Kyle, where I think guys just kind of like I just kind of like Kyle. Like guys just I kind of like, I just like Andy. I just like being around him. People just you know I think Bill they like being around him because he's like maybe the best player. I think with Kyle and Andy, it's like, this guy's making me a good player, and I would just like to be called right. this guy's if, friend. If Andy Reid yeah. and Kyle Shanahan were bad coaches and they got fired, you'd still get players that tweet like, one thing you cannot deny, this is one of the greatest guys I've ever known. You know. Remember Marcus Peters, when he got traded, he was like, uh, I don't know, he keeps calling me. He was like, uh, yeah, they screwed me, but Andy's still my yeah. boy. Or yeah. Remember he had a tweet? And Jeremy Macklin had something. Remember Dorsey cut at him, cut him like right before training camp or something, and then Andy was at his wedding like a week later. <laughs> like He's like, it was Dorsey. <laughs> Andy's pretty, he's pretty good at, you know, whether it is kind of like, hey, Marcus, I think Andy wanted you out, but he, no, he gets no stench on him ever. <laughs> Where I think Kyle, it's, it's kind of unavoidable <laughs> maybe a little bit because they know, I, I don't know, it's just different. But like Navarro Bowman, they became kind of friends. I, I just think, I don't know, friends, but... That was kind of weird, remember? Yeah, yeah. I, 
I just think Blame what's clear with Kyle Shanahan, I think we can say definitively at this point, he is an outlier. He's not an outlier as a guy who's likable. There's a lot of guys that are likable. He's an outlier as a guy that can relate to players. At his age, he's 40 years old, so relatively young by head coach standards, even though there are a lot of guys, there's some guys younger than him. He's an outlier in terms of a play caller. It's weird, like he's a young weather. He's just, <laughs> he is just an outlier, period. Yeah, he is a young, he's like, uh, uh, what's the guy from uh, 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 Ozark? What's that actor's name? Oh, yeah, I mean, I know exactly who you're talking about. Was the dude from uh, Horrible Block? Jason Bateman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's Who's he married? Who's he married to? Some babe, right? Um, Who's Jason Bateman's wife? Jason's, by the way, fifty years old. Amanda Akira. uh, Oh no, Amanda. Anka, Paul Anka's daughter. Maybe I'm thinking. Maybe I'm thinking of uh, who's it? I'd put Paul Rudd in the same category. How old is Paul Rudd, do you think? 48? I mean, Paul Rudd's been around Hollywood a long time. Paul Rudd's 50 also. Like, I think, same deal. Now, Bateman grew up, like, in Hollywood. Bateman took, like, years off to just hang out because he had, like, been a child actor and made a ton of money. And he golfed. He would, like, wake up, drink, wake up at, like, 11, drink, play golf, go to sleep, like, party that night, do the same thing all over again. This is when he was like 30? Yeah, or maybe like in his mid-20s. I think this was Bateman did that for like a decade or eight years. Um, You're right. Paul Rudd, Bateman. Kyle Shanahan. They all have a Kyle feel to them. <laughs> like if Kyle quit tomorrow and just like, I want to be an actor, I think like he would he would get cast, right? <laughs> that look. Yeah, I don't know what his uh, acting ability is, but he does have a dry sense of humor. Maybe some Bateman yeah. qualities. But the point is, I think it's clear, John, win or lose, whatever. He's an they, the 49ers have an outlier. Now we could argue, is he one of the best coaches? Where does he rank? He's an outlier. He is he is the exception. He is what you're looking for. And you know, I think in a sport in particular where the career length is short, you can't overstate it or you can overstate sometimes environment, culture. Like guys do just when it comes to free agency, guys just you need to get paid. But when you read quotes like that from Emmanuel Sanders, I just if the Niners want Emmanuel Sanders on the football team next year, I think he'll be on the football team. Now, well, if you're Emmanuel, you oh, just you, you take the most money probably. But if a team, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it, I think it's a tough one because there are so many teams that need wide receivers. His market's going to get jolted up just because he's had really good moments. I, I know, but. Like the Eagles, the Patriots. I'm just listing teams that like might be willing to like overpay two or three million. Is it worth it for the Niners to you know an older guy? I, I think it's not. It's a it's a it's a tougher situation than it probably should be. Given just yep. we see it all the yeah, time, yeah. right? Like Golden Tate. Remember last year it was like Gettleman gave Golden Tate how much money? And there's just those so, situations. You're right. Let me re, let me restate it then. It's not about getting again. I, I'm not anti keeping the guy. I just think the number could get. All right. Bigger. Let me restate it then. Maybe, if you told me he got 28 million guaranteed. That might be high, but like, let's say like 24. That's not crazy. So right? maybe it's not about attracting free agents. It's just about they know how to pick the right type of guy, and the right type of guy will thrive there. Let me, I'll just leave it there and not make it more about because I do think we can overstate how much all this shit matters in free agency when it comes down to I just, I got three years left. I need to get paid. I, I think he's just, 
I think the key to being Kyle or Andy or whoever is just very comfortable in your own skin. You know, they're not because like Sean Payton is a little bit of a yeller. I I honestly can't remember a handful of times at practice I've seen Andy like legit yell. I mean, he he does the pick it up, you know, just classic coach stuff, but not like berate a player like you see assistant coaches consistently do. I if you watch Kyle at practice, Maybe he's a little different in season, maybe, right, when they're installing stuff. But it feels like when you're just confident in yourself that way and you you know your style, I think fucking guys love it because this is the highest level. And if you do a good job of picking the right type players, they should just... It's why... Why does New England love the, you know, the overachieving white guy, former, you know, son of a coach? Because Bill isn't going to, like, motherfuck you all day. He's going to tell you, this is what you're doing. And if you don't do it, I'm just going to cut you. Like, I, I don't have time to just... Like, I, I'm not doing Ron Rivera. And I think Ron Rivera does that because that's, right, that's just kind of who Ron is. He's not... You just... I think you just... If you're 100% true to yourself, whenever I see coaches get in trouble is when you see players are like, this guy's kind of a fraud. And they don't... I don't when they say that, I don't think they mean, like, doesn't know football or doesn't know basketball or whatever. They just... They see a guy that's one message one day, one message another day, just kind of swimming in his own ability to relate. Or just just relate, just be you. What's Nagy's thing? Be, you have to be, like Bill Belichick's coaches the way, that's perfect for Bill Belichick. We'll talk, I'm sure, here in a second about like McDaniels. What I think is really difficult, I watched way too much of Joe Judge's <laughs> press conference. He is a hard ass, and he's probably naturally a little like that Philly guy. But think of the two guys over the last decade he's been around, Nick and Bill. I don't blame him for thinking, like, that's the way to do it. Of course you'd think that if you were, like, you were around those two guys. You would want to mold your ability around those two guys. But those two guys are just them. Like, Nick is just Nick. Nick isn't yelling because he, like, likes to—he just yells. He's just angry. Remember the thing? You're like, bro, have you seen the Saban documentary? I haven't watched it. You're like, wait till you see this moment with his kid. And even his kid was like, yeah, he's really relaxed. And he's like, yeah, not, no, no, actually, no, he hasn't. He's, he, his, even his own son was like, you know, he's, he mellowed a little. John, his, uh, son yeah, was uptight, his son was tight <laughs> trying to give a quote on yeah, it. Yeah, and it's just, Nick is just tight. Like, that's just, that's just Nick. You can feel it when those two were sitting next to each other. You're like, God, Bill's like more relaxed than Nick, right? You, you just can't, I'm me, you're you. You just, you are who you are. And I think when you're unsure, when you get into a situation, I think you saw it like Freddie Kitchens. Freddie's like, all of a sudden, I have to, I can't be me. I have to act like a head coach. When I, whenever I see that, like, I gotta, I gotta be the head coach. Now there is a hierarchy, like what you say, it ends with me. But like, I don't feel like Kyle is, and Andy didn't necessarily do. Like, you just knew he was the boss. By, you know? by the way, John. I think it's more difficult when you're younger to like, you're like, is this guy the boss? He's only thirty-five. I, that's why I think the first thing is that you've got like Joe Judge if he walks in the room and starts telling players stuff that they think will make them better like really and like the stuff that like I think that's where it starts with Kyle right is players think he knows how to make me great and then that he's cool with them too is great and wears Yeezys whatever but if Joe Judge walks in a room and guys are like wait and to Emmanuel Sanders point like your thing is going to be that you motivate me no dude I've got like a six-year career I'm motivated what I would love is for you to make me great well, think about this. For Joe Judge, for example, one thing he harped on 
we're going to put on the pads and tackle to the ground. You know, it's classic, like, this guy, tough, tough guy, you know? Well, let's say Kyle had done that, or Andy does. Like, Andy runs a physical practice. For those two guys, for example, even Bill, I know Bill technically doesn't call a side of the ball, but on any given play, he knows every single one's responsibility. Do you know that Joe Judge is not the offensive coordinator? Well, yeah. He's not the I defensive coordinator, he's and he's not calling special, well, he's not calling special the, teams. You think either. he'd become a head coach for the first time and call plays for the first time? So you're you're going you're gonna put on the pads and then all of a sudden let's say you're Golden Tate you're like bro I've been playing this league for ten years my, my tough I, I am tough if you fucking check the stats I break more tackles than anyone else in the league for the last half decade like I don't need the uh, the drill where I got to break the cornerbacks tackles in August third at behind MetLife Stadium I get some of these guys do but like you might hurt me and then I go. Are you, you're not wait. You're not even calling the plays. Like it, you can just. I could see when I saw that. I was like, uh, you just see how it can fracture immediately because that mindset, like a manual. I just think older players think like that. Where you go, I, I, I'm ready to roll. Like what? This is not like coach these other guys up, but you have to throw me in it, and it's a hard balance. I mean, you see in the NBA, it fractures immediately when you're like trying to establish, and you get some older guys and. You know, the Kevin Love, like the Cavs are an example of, it's really, really difficult because it feels like you're trying to, you're trying to do like 10 things at once. And maybe that's just, and that's part of why a lot of times, like when new coaches come in, they get rid of a lot of veteran guys because they know that those guys will just naturally be like locker room lawyers. Like this is stupid because it kind of is for them, but it's not necessarily for the younger guys. But the reality is of football, your whole team is not going to, this isn't college. You're not going to have a... You're like Jimbo Fisher last year played like 90% of his roster was freshman and redshirt freshman. That most of your roster is not going to be rookies. It's going to be like some rookies, Saquon, you know, look at the Niners when Kyle first got here. Yeah, they brought in a bunch of new guys, but like Kyle Juszczyk was tough when you signed him. And luckily Kyle, I, I've been thinking a lot about like all these new hirings over the last couple years. I, I was listening to Mike Lombardi's podcast yesterday and he's like, Think about this. Belichick was Parcell's defensive coordinator for, I think, a total of like 10 years in the 80s. Might have been might have been nine. It took him eight years, guy, as Parcell's defensive coordinator. Like, really the only team that could beat Walsh's Niners. It took him eight years as the defensive coordinator to get a head coaching interview. And he's like, and I started thinking, like, God. You look at the guys now, like Joe Judge, a good example, where you have the power of agents and the hype of guys, which it's hard for me to relate what hype was back then, but clearly it didn't mean as much because fucking Parcells, who had to be him and Walsh, the two most famous coaches at the time in the National Football League, his right-hand guy, who's taken down Walsh in Montana, took him Eight seasons to get a an interview, not a job, an interview. I, I think the on the hype thing, by the way, like there's way more media, there's way more coaches. The lower level coaches and the lower level media need each other. So I think that's where, and not even lower level, I, lower level media is not fair. There's just, everybody needs, it's harder to get a story. So it's like, if you get the, you find a guy who's the, and there's way more agents, you find a guy who's, you can pretend is the up and coming OC, you just got to promote that because you, you need but him to be like, an but OC. Like for, but, like, for example, I, I would say Sean McVay 
really had questionable, like, did he call plays? Did he not call plays? He's kind of the outlier to me of like the Joe Judge type guy that worked. You know, it's like, wow, Kyle really isn't in their category. Like you had said on a podcast in the last couple of weeks, like he'd been calling plays for a long freaking time. Like the play caller at multiple spots, like for his dad, for Houston. Then he had to get fired and go do it for Cleveland for a year. Then he goes with Dan Quinn, a guy he didn't even know. And just his experience, like that was a legitimate head coaching candidate. And sometimes even a guy like Kyle fails, but he was like, think of a guy like him, the equivalent of him, a guy that had been calling plays that long, that was young. Like he would be easily the number one coaching candidate on a market. If those, that guy doesn't even exist because he can't get enough experience long enough to not get plucked off, right? He gets hired. Joe, How does Joe Judge get a job? How does he become the head coach of the New York Giants? That's insane. Just watching, I just thought, that is insanity. It is. But the likelihood of this working is just not going to happen. Before we get into that, though, because we are going to talk about that next, I do want to mention one little nug to you as it relates to Kyle that I just saw. Mayoko tweeted this. I, I didn't know. Maybe you knew this. I guess the Niners video guy set up, like, Mike Shanahan watches all the Niners practice film. I saw the headline. 30 minutes after practice is done, Mike Shanahan at his home with his wife, who Kyle said is always mad because Mike does nothing but sit in his film room now, has, it, has the Niners practice on his iPad. He's like Marvin Lewis to Herm Edwards. I heard someone maybe a tweet thread about a Twitter thread about this, or someone said it on TV. Like, basically, Mike Shanahan does not get enough credit for the tree that he created from his son to just the offense to all these people running it. Like, we blow Andy rightfully so because he's created all these head coaches, but Mike Shanahan's staple offense and just the coaches under him from LaFleur, what that's doing to the league, right? I mean, some of the best teams, his son, McVay the last couple of years, Stefanski's running it with the Vikings, uh, Kubiak, they hired Kubiak to Minnesota. Kubiak did it forever with Denver, won a Super Bowl, did it with Houston, they kicked ass. Like, Mike Shanahan almost is underrated at this point when you think about just his impact on the sport of football. He, I mean, fuck, he coached for Walsh. He coached Steve Young as an offensive coordinator. Like, probably truly one of the great coaches that almost flies under the radar, but yet doesn't because he is super famous. But, like, I think it's cool that his son is, like, making, the, like, the Shanahan name deserves, like, like, it should be, like, just one of the all-time great names in football. Like, it's impact on the sport, right? Yep. Like, I mean, his dad won. He didn't win one. He won two. Like, we were like, if Andy can win one, he's a Hall of Famer. If Sean Payton get another one, he's a Hall of Famer. This guy won two. And then kind of changed the sport with all this youth throughout the league of just, there was some substance behind it. It's not just like a bunch of, you know, like, say what you make fun of McVay, but McVay's a good coach. Kyle might be a great coach. Even LaFleur, I make fun of him. I'm not quite sure what he did. His team did go 13-3. You know, it hasn't. It wasn't Freddie Kitchens. Like, he's clearly capable, right? He doesn't seem to be, like, over his head in terms of just dealing with guys and just... Now, maybe it's just because they've been winning, but it feels like it's been pretty smooth sailing for him, just the way guys talk about him. They like him. Maybe they're just seeing Kyle and McVeigh. These guys are all kind of comfortable. You could argue that, like, that little crew is just all comfortable in their own skin. I don't know. Maybe just from being around each other. Being around each other, familiarity, and uh, six-year contracts. <laughs> but also, when you say, like, they would probably tell you, 
our understanding of this offense being in that think Total tank is just pretty confidence high. in oneself. Yep. Yeah, co- you can't our, fake it. When when Aaron goes, what happens when this? Well, I've saw Mike and Kyle talk about this 15 million times. I immediately knows. Well, you take the rover there, you break it off at seven. We got this there, and they just boom. They just it's secondhand. Right. Like Kyle's, it's just Kyle. Like Kyle just talks because it's ingrained Correct. in his fucking head. You know, it's like if someone asked me how to do a radio show, or you, right? Now I've done I've done the math. I'm I'm over ten thousand hours of uh, radio with Malcolm Gladwell. I can't. I'm not a good. I've I learned this about myself a long time ago, and maybe if I tried to make myself better at it, I would be. I'm not a good teacher. Yeah. I'm not particularly patient, so that's a problem. Um, you're, you're selfish yeah, a little. It's just not stop. a great patience. Is not a quality of mine, which is weird because both my parents are super patient. Lucky for me, um, but I've had to work on that a lot. But um, just because it's health, it's Self healthier growth. to be a little patient. Not it get really your blood is. boiling, that kind of thing. Not that I get mad. I don't get like mad at. Like I was telling Alyssa the other day. I refuse to be offended by stuff. That shit doesn't. It's just, inefficiency is probably my biggest pet peeve. Um, and the easiest way to be efficient is to just do it yourself, but that's not really always the most productive way to do something, right? But the problem is if you're going to ha- have someone help you, you got to show them what to do sometimes. So anyway, that's not a strength of mine, but uh, I think with with those guys, once you've do my ultimate point going back to radio was just done it so many times. I'm not, when someone asked me like, how do I do this or that? It's not really, I, I, don't, I don't remember how I used to do it. Back in hour, you know, fifty, when I was doing one thirty-minute show a week, and I thought that was hard. Like I just, I have a hard time remembering what those challenges were, how to overcome them, because it's just, I don't think about it anymore. And I would imagine those guys, they just don't think about what they do. The beauty is they just got a playbook that they just teach you the plays. Um, but I never wrote a playbook. And doing but radio to, is much easier to, than uh, coaching uh, football. But but I'd say what coaching football is like. The playbook would be like. Uh, we got a pretty cool new sponsor coming next week. Let's say it's like a it's like a class mm. that you take a business course and they teach you like supply, demand, marketing, how to sell or whatever. And you're just like, I got all this knowledge. But then you go to the real world and you try to like, you got a product, you try to sell it and it doesn't work. Or you try to put a price on whatever you're trying to sell and no one buys it because it's too high or too low. And then you kind of learn through experience. Like football is the ultimate combination of like, you literally do it in the classroom <laughs> and then you go to the field, and then it completely looks different or it looks wrong. It's why they always go, I got to watch the practice tape because they give a look, right? They all the way a football week works is you install the game plan of what you think you're going to see. You run it against the scout team at practice, what you think you're going to see, and the play might work or might not work. And then you tweak it from there, all this guessing game of what you're going to see. But then the actual game happens, and you might get something completely different. You're adjusting on the fly. It's like the ultimate combination of learning the economics book and then that week running a business you know it's like wham bam it just so you're just the the learning right if you are capable and are smart of just a season like think about this belichick's been in the league for over 40 years 40 plus years in the nfl of every every i think when he started it probably wasn't 16 games maybe it was 14 and went up now but just the process of installing a game plan tweaking stuff just Think of the shit. No wonder when he was on, why he's getting like a hard on talking about like, you know, when you tried to, when you tried to double, uh, double mean Joe, he, he could, he could drop and he could do this swim. Like he just, we had to like chip his legs. 
Like, Mean Joe Green. Yeah, Belichick was in a game plan where they blocked Mean Joe Green. Oh, yeah. When we ran the coverage against Joe Montana, all the way up to, you know, when you play Russell Wilson, and you're just like, Jesus Christ, this guy's seen it all? <laughs> it's like, seen it all. Warren Buffett's like, yeah, you know, when you when I invested in the, uh, the recession of 1967... <laughs> You know, the example I use a lot, if you've been listening to this podcast, you've heard it, John, but it's my favorite because you witnessed it too. When we'd be at Comcast and Gary St. Jean, for those of you not in the Bay Area, longtime coach, GM, is pre and post game analyst for the Warriors on TV. I know we have a lot of listeners that aren't in the Bay Area so they don't watch the Warriors pre and post. But Gary just knows more basketball, the old saying, than most people have forgotten, right? He would sit there reading the newspaper I would never actually see his eyes be on the screen. Middlecoff would be in there. I'd be in there. Doug Christie would be in there. Bobby Jackson would be in there. Bobby and Doug are just talking shit. You and I are watching Warriors, watching Kings, and be like, I'd look away, look back. What happened? Gary would. Gary never looked up and yet knew what was happening in the game because he didn't have to watch every second. He just knew kind of everything that everybody was doing. He knew all the indicators. And knew the thing like the and back if you of know ba- basketball, you can't consume like a baseball game. Like you, to really know what's going on, you got. I watch. can't, but he could. You can't, but he. Well, could. I know. I, I I can't. I'd say most people. If you think like if you're a two TV guy, you can kind of pull it off with football or baseball, like and truly kind of take in a couple games at once because of the there's pace a, yeah, of the there's sport. a rhythm that you know when to look away. It, You've got thirty seconds. It's imp- basketball is one million percent impossible for any non-like NBA or college basketball coach just because the flow of shit is flying. Elevator screen! <laughs> yeah. Give them the floppies! Floppy! <laughs> Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. 